Welcome to the I'm Still Learning Podcast. I'm your host, Randy Whitlow. I've been reading and studying the Bible my entire life, but I still have a lot of questions, and I'm still learning what it means. Each episode, we will take a look at what the Bible has to say and what it means to us today. Today in episode four, I am discussing the third of the Ten Commandments as part of the Ordered Life series. This week's teaching is called, Watch Your Mouth. Well, the first two commandments, no other gods and no graven images, didn't immediately present any challenges to us. But with a little closer look, we realized that these were both areas that we were indeed guilty of breaking at times. The third commandment, however, hits a little closer to home. Let's see what it says, and I'll explain why I think we have all broken this one. Once again, we are in Exodus, the 20th chapter. Now we're starting with the seventh verse. You must not misuse the name of the Lord your God. The Lord will not let you go unpunished if you misuse His name. Now, if you've been around church for any time at all, you've most likely heard this referred to as taking the Lord's name in vain. This terminology has been used for years and years. When I was growing up, I always understood taking the Lord's name in vain as using God's or Jesus' name as a swear word, and I've always been careful not to do that. If my parents or any of the folks at church had ever heard me curse using the Lord's name, I would have been called on it immediately. And even to this day, I don't like to hear anyone cursing a person or situation by using any of the names of God. But just like the first two commandments, the meaning of this commandment goes much further than the commonly known deity-based swear words we hear so often today. Although it certainly includes the obvious profanities, I believe that it has much to do with how we conduct our everyday lives and how we represent Jesus to our world. The Lord's Prayer begins with the phrase, Hallowed be thy name. Now, hallowed is a beautiful word, but its meaning isn't quite clear to us today because it is used so infrequently. The New Living Translation of the Bible, the translation I'm using in this study series, words it this way, May your name be kept holy. This wording offers us some insight into how we should think about the command not to misuse the name of the Lord your God. It calls for reverence and honor in our references to and conversations about our Lord. So obviously, as we've already said, profane treatment of the Lord's name is out. Using God's name to condemn someone or using the name of Jesus as an expression of exasperation or frustration is not keeping the Lord's name holy. You can't express reverence for God one moment and curse someone using His name the next and say that you consider the Lord's name to be holy. No, when you say something dismissive or derogatory about anyone, you reveal the true level of respect you have for them. But just refraining from using the Lord's name as a curse doesn't necessarily mean that you have met the full extent of the command not to misuse the name of the Lord your God. In talking about misusing His name, we're talking about much more than just the names we use to identify Him. 
we are very familiar with the term, my good name. If someone spreads derogatory information about us, we say that they are damaging my good name. We are referring to our reputation or how we are known in our communities of influence. In the same way, when we fail to honor our Lord's name, we are impugning his reputation in the world we are called to tell about him. There are several ways that we break this commandment by damaging the Lord's good name to those we come in contact with. One that is far too common, especially in the church world, is using God's name as a cover story when you are just doing what you wanted to do all along, but didn't want anyone to call you out on it. Saying, God told me to do this, seems to be the ultimate trump card. When you say that you have heard from God and God told you to do something, you put anyone who might question you in the uncomfortable position of disagreeing or arguing with God. Since there is no higher authority to go to with an appeal, the only thing that can be said is something to the effect of, well, just be sure that it is God speaking to you. And the person who has made the pronouncement, they will nearly always reply that they are sure. I sometimes wonder if God hears some of these pronouncements and says, I said what? Because I've heard people who spoke with great certainty that they were doing what the Lord told them to do, and a short time later they were doing something completely different after it didn't work out for them. I always want to ask them, who lied? Did God lie to you about what you should do, or did you lie about hearing from God? Other times, folks will say that God told them to do something that is completely contrary to His nature. Now let me stop and say this right here. God will never tell you to do anything that is not consistent with His Word, the Bible. God won't ever tell you to abandon your family and take up with your attractive co-worker. God won't ever authorize you to be ugly or hateful to people you disagree with. God will never tell you that He is okay with your unrepentant sin. You will never get a special pass to ignore the clear teachings of God's Word. So when you justify your actions by using the name of the Lord as a cover for your behavior, you are failing to keep the Lord's name holy. You are misusing the Lord's name. An even more common example of misusing the Lord's name is in the area of lying. When we knowingly misrepresent the truth, we fail to honor the Lord's name by acting contrary to His nature of being the way, the truth, and the life. Many lies are told in an effort to escape an uncomfortable truth. Others are told in an attempt to improve what other people think of us or to get us a status or position that we feel we could not have gotten with only the truth. And often the lie comes accompanied by a denial that we are lying that includes, Oh, I swear, or swear to God. We Christ followers often lie to ourselves, and as a result we lose the opportunity to grow in our relationship with Christ. We tell ourselves that no one will know so it's not hurting anyone, or Others are doing much worse things than this. And as a result, we fail to keep the Lord's name holy by acting as though He isn't really Lord. We show through our actions that we can keep things from Him or disregard His commands. And we miss the opportunity to give reverence to His name by trusting Him to do His redemptive work in our lives.
A transgression that is even worse than lying to ourselves is when we lie to others, and as a result, we fail to represent God faithfully. The way we conduct ourselves in uncomfortable situations has a lot to say to the world around us about the God we claim to serve and trust. If we respond by lying or making false accusations, we are showing that there is no difference between followers of Christ and the folks who make no profession of faith. They have a great reason to completely disregard your testimony. Additionally, they can draw the conclusion that God himself must be a liar since his followers, who are supposed to represent him, lie. You know, as Christ followers, any time that we live or act in a way that is inconsistent with the clear teachings of Christ or is not in line with our profession of faith in him, we are misusing his name. We are not honoring his name, and we suffer as a result. We don't suffer because God takes his big thumb and smashes us like a bug for disrespecting him. No, we suffer because every time that we fail to do and say what we know we should do and say, the enemy of our soul whispers words of failure and condemnation to us. He tells you that God is done with you because you've messed up again. He entices you to give up even trying. He plants seeds of doubt about God's goodness and power. And if you're not careful, you get discouraged and begin to believe those lies. But you don't have to listen to that talk because of who God is and because of how much He loves you. That is the truth, and you need to remember that all of God's warnings and all of His commandments are there to restore us and bring us into a loving and trusting relationship with Him. A day is coming when Jesus will judge the world, but today is not that day. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2 tells us, I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. And when Jesus talked to Nicodemus in John chapter 3, he said in verse 17, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So to bring this to a close, let's look once again at this third command. You must not misuse the name of the Lord your God. The Lord will not let you go unpunished if you misuse His name. This misusing of the Lord's name is, as we now realize, not so much a specific action of the words we use as it is an expression of the attitude of our soul. Now what I mean by that is, if your heart your mind and your spirit doesn't hold the Lord in high regard, if you have not placed Him first, then your words and actions will reveal that lack of regard and reverence. So when you realize that you have misused God's name or you have failed to give Him all of the reverence that He deserves, the one you have damaged is yourself. You have put distance between yourself and the God who wants to guide your steps and give order to your life. You are living out from under the covering of God's love for you. But there is no need for that damage to be permanent. God holds no grudges. He will forgive. When these commandments were given to Moses and to the children of Israel who had just been delivered from their Egyptian slavery, 
they needed to know how to serve God and how to treat one another. And there were penalties spelled out for breaking these commandments. But even then, centuries before Jesus would come to live among us and to give his life as the perfect sacrifice to pay the penalty of our sin, there was a way to avoid the consequences of breaking a commandment by presenting sacrifices. And the ability to present sacrifices was available to all, rich and poor, because God is not looking for a chance to condemn and punish us. These commands are an invitation to live an ordered life as we acknowledge His love for us and His worthiness to direct our steps. Since Jesus' death and resurrection, it is no longer necessary to bring physical sacrifices to church to set things right when you do wrong. His Holy Spirit will cause you to realize your transgression and will cause you to feel the pain of conviction. But if you will acknowledge your wrongdoing to Jesus, He will always forgive. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 tells us, But if we confess our sins to Him, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. So once again, we find the words of life in what appears at first glance to be a stern warning to watch your mouth. It really is good news, and following this commandment really does lead to an ordered life. Thank you for listening to Episode 4 of the I'm Still Learning Podcast. Next week, I will talk about the fourth of the Ten Commandments as part of the Ordered Life series in a teaching called Just Remember. See you next week.